Woody Guthrie Center and Bob Dylan Center present Fire in Little Africa, a multimedia hip-hop project inspired by the resilience of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And now, coming at you live from Greenwood, here are your hosts, Ali Shaw and Doc Free. So we are recording this on Easter Sunday. Sunday. And I have to tell y'all what happened at family dinner today with my, my mama. Hmm. I get there. My nephew recently bought a brand new, it's, it's a whole um, stereo. It's got a record player on the top, dual cassette, radio, all of this. And on my way there, I get a text. It's like, bring all your vinyl. Eli is going to bring his stereo out to the, the back porch. Okay, cool. Whatever. I get there. Mom, I missed the message before I get there. So I didn't get to bring in my records. And I get there, walk outside, and my mama's uh, Supreme's record is playing. Hmm. So I just want to say I thought that was fitting for today's episode. Uh, Aha! Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, because a very, very special announcement. By the time this podcast airs, uh, hmm. a very big announcement will have been made. And Huge. Very, very excited about that. But welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fire in Little Africa podcast. I'm Ali Shaw. And I am Doc Free. And Doc... Um, we hey. are elated. <laughs> uh, understatement. We're understating everything yes. uh, to contain the molecules that should probably burst. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's been, a, sure. there's, there's been an expulsion of, of energy uh, over the past couple of weeks once we found out. And yeah. then now we have to let everybody find out. So you know how hard it is to sit sit on something just sit on something like you go to your job you're at work you do 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 you know what i'm saying everyone's all like oh how was your weekend well <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally all i could do i just i just cackled maniacally uh like a like a mad villain does uh I, for me it's it's like it's very much a full circle thing it's like growing up listening to all of those records and mm -hmm. oh my gosh we're working with motown in real life um, so let's let's get to the origin stories, if we will, of how all of this started to come together. This is yes. episode number 53, 53, and we have two guests on our show today. Yes. Uh, both are our co-executive producers on the project. Mm -hmm. Doc, who would you like to introduce first, and then I'll take the other one. All right. We're going to, I want to introduce uh, Chris Davis. Uh, this man has had uh, a penchant for perseverance in excellence um he wants to work with the best to do the best things but they're in the mindset of helping those that are around to create that culture thing so when i say this is, is like uh i don't know what we're we talking here like 2010 11 ish or what nine ish sitting in his car we're over by the colony he's home from school and we, you know, it's just like the uh, the customary get with Chris Davis, talk about hip hop, you know what I'm saying? And then you could tell it was building, it was building. And he was like, bro, going to Texas to do some things. So we're talking about our guy, No Skips, Chris Davis, um, uh, a, a budding philanthropist and, and speaker for Tulsa. Uh, it's weird. Like I think about the first day I met this kid to now and it's uh, <laughs> the journey, you know what I'm saying? That I brings paths together in a like-minded set. 
So, you know, that's our producer. He's Mr. Get It Done. He's Mr. Do It. Um, He is a champion for T-Town. He's a champion for the culture. Uh, He's out there, you know, preaching the goodwill. Johnny Appleseeding, if you will. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I love the Johnny Appleseed. I love it. Johnny Appleseeding out here. What else? What else? We couldn't. What do you mean? What? What? Well, let me, I tell you what, Doc, let's, let's, we got to piggyback on these introductions. Yeah, because they kind of co, they coincide. They coincide. Like, let me give the, you know, the radio version, if you will, (laughs) of this introduction. But I want to definitely point out, I'm, I'm the one who named him No Skips because he's Chris Davis, a.k.a. a a a CD. That's such a mom joke. I love it. It is. And I love it too. I'm corny. I love it. If you have a really great CD, you don't have to hit the button to skip to the next track. He has no skips. He is no skips. And if we um, need to, we will take him to Vintage Stock to get resurfaced. Yes. <laughs> With the Vintage Stock, Doc. But Chris Davis is an entrepreneur, artist manager, and community organizer from Tulsa, as Doc said, a graduate of Carver Middle School. Booker T. Washington High School and the University of Oklahoma. Chris has been working with artists in the Tulsa hip-hop scene since 2016. Mm -hmm. He is the co-organizer of World Culture Music Festival, which this year is a part of Black Wall Street Legacy Festival Centennial Weekend in Greenwood. He works directly with Tulsa artists via his management company, Pop House Management. And a lot of you probably remember when he was pushing that little cart around and passing out free popsicles in the middle of summertime and you got stuff dripping all down your arm like, dang, these popsicles are really good. And so this is how I remember No Skips the best. So let's welcome to the show, No Skips, a.k.a. Chris Davis. Chris Davis. Wow. Uh, that, that's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be here. I appreciate the love. That's, that makes me feel good. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I went from the heart. Allie went from the script, but it's all love. It's cool, you know, though. You know me with the script. <laughs> it I sounded great. I, I need you script. to do the same thing at my funeral, dog. Got you. you know, <laughs> pause. There's a pause. Like, damn, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Yeah. Nothing. I'm fine. We're fine. Yes. Actually, I don't know. Dying from shock. Well, initial shock. Uh, yeah, because we got. Yeah. We're going to talk about something super great with our other guests this evening. We have the Stevie Doctor View. Uh, Ali, want to take Leo on this one? I'll follow up. Yes, so I'm still going to go script heavy, but I'm going to have my personals as well. Stevie Dr. View Johnson is a PhD who is a producer, a DJ, a damn good DJ, educator and community organizer originally from Longview, Texas. And, And this is where I need to pause for a moment because Dr. View is also, his hometown is um, the same place where my cousin's husband is from. And every time I want to go, do you know Todd McGrew? Because I need to see if y'all know each other. Um, but when I say, I, I keep hearing, um, there was something that you had said before, Doc, about, or excuse me, view, um, the long view. And the reason why it keeps sticking with me is because that's how I think you see things. I think you have a very wide future view about you, that your name is is not a mistake. So that was a great choice. He is also the manager of diversity and education outreach at Woody Guthrie Center and received the 2019 Bobby Wright Dissertation of the Year Award for the Association for the Study of Higher Education. Dr. View just makes shit happen, period. 
And when, and I don't think that he um, does things without good intentions. He, he thinks long and hard before he makes any steps. Like you can tell every single step he takes is with good intention. So I like that he leads with love and he follows his heart. And I'm happy to know him. And I'm thankful that he walked with me from Kane's Ballroom to Silhouette Sneakers and Art in Freezing Cold. That's always one of my favorite Dr. View stories. So welcome to the show, Dr. View. This is a dream coming true. The difference between the infinite thing to one of the flukes. Speculating, riffing and things that come in with proof. A spiral staircase in the rare case. I'm running in loops. My labor bear grapefruits. I got the motherfucking juice. I was on the edge of a cliff, but I wasn't letting go. Treading water with all of the strength in my legs when the currents tested those. Swerving on a hectic road. Respect the coach. Respect the players that accepted roles. Knowing you can't put all of the game in the X's and O's. I was determined with my head down, working for every good person. I knew they never found purpose. And everybody now searching why I sound urgent. A wordsmith dug a canal out the underground to the surface. When the town was deserted, I was curb serving. What's the verdict? On all counts, I knew what I put in, it wasn't a small amount. Fly as high as I decide without the stalling out. Wasn't calling in, I ain't the one for calling out. Unless it's something that's beside the point you want to talk about. What it do, what it do. <laughs> Man, y'all, y'all are getting good at these intros. You'd think you'd done this like 53 times or something like that. that Dr. Free, though, what, what do you got to say about Dr. View? Because I know you got some stories. He's not a Texan anymore. You've been here too long. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like my my cousins, they're Texans now. They're no longer Oklahoman because they they did the switch. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. we're glad that you're here um, to do the things that you have done on the scale that you have done them um, is a great great thing for the young people, the young people in our culture to see, you know what I'm saying? That you can you can make dissertations based off of the thing that you love. So it's not minimalized, it's not marginalized for the masses Absolutely. kind of thing. Um, that is pure like magic out of hat. That's like Gandalf stuff, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> think about that. Like, when we talk about can do, people think about things like that all the time. Uh, we always have these wishes, these pipe dreams, whatever that you never fall out of line, you know what I'm saying? But uh, if you two are like uh, uh, Schwarzenegger and, uh, and and my man uh, Carl Ronnie uh, Coleman, Ronnie Coleman, Ronnie Coleman, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> when they do the yeah. uh, when they do the little slapping predator, uh, lightweight, man. lightweight. <laughs> so it's like two can do yeah. tattoos that that you know it's no it's no wonder. Like I try to like I I some, am surprised, but I'm not surprised by more things. I'm not surprised that. Things that happen as they happen, based off of the drive that you have. It's, uh, it's, it's called God's God's timing. God's timing is everything, and mm-hmm. alignment, and you know when you allow the the Spirit to to talk to you, the Spirit brings you great people. And uh, what's crazy is I remember meeting Chris in 2019 randomly um, um, in a meeting. Um, talking about music and he was talking about one thing and I was talking about something else. But as we were talking, things started to align. And ever since then, we just kind of hit the ground running, held each other accountable and like the love and the conversations, like the, the deep conversations, not even just like final Africa, but just like 
you know, growing as men and particularly growing in this pandemic this last year and just, just seeing each other grind and, and supporting each other has just been really dope. And um, I'm honored to call him um, a co-conspirator um, and a brother um, and, a, and a true friend. So yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be on this podcast. And I'm equally or more honored, and, and I can already tell it's Easter Sunday, we're going to go to church today, because <laughs> you really can't talk about Fire in Little Africa without this, like, spiritual dimension, and, you know, fuck it, like, I just want to say this is a historic week. This is, this is you know, something that I think is at once a culmination and the end result of so much blood, sweat, and tears, and I mean that in the very literal sense. Uh, and, and certainly the culmination of the last 10 years of the development of the Tulsa hip hop scene. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the same time, it is a new beginning. It is, it is the, it is the start of something very big for the city of Tulsa and for all of the artists in Fire in Little Africa and even Tulsa hip hop artists that are not necessarily on Fire in Little Africa. This is, um, this is history. This is historic, uh, Dr. View is uh, my brother and this project, everything that we've been working on for the last two years, um, it, it has, I can already say it's the greatest gift, you know, of my life. So this is, uh, I, I'm honored to be here and, and I'm excited to, to talk about everything with y'all. Everything, like everything, let's get everything. It. All right, so let's start from the very beginning. How, what is Fire in Little, Little Africa? How did the idea even start? Yeah, where's that spark come from? <laughs> so yeah, I, I kind of mentioned it at the beginning. Uh, you know, I was actually being uh, wined and dined by the Woody Guthrie and the Bob Dylan Center. I was living in Oklahoma City at the time. And uh, I came to Tulsa because Brandon Odom who also works for GKFF, George Kaiser Family Foundation, just said, hey, come to Tulsa, let's just grab lunch. And uh, that's exactly what we did. And I wasn't working at the time. And uh, we just having lunch, having a great conversation. And lo and behold, Stan Doyle, um, unannounced, just kind of walks into the same um, restaurant that we were at. And Brandon Olin tries to talk to him about, you know, the work that I had been doing with the space program the dissertation album, hip hop album, um, obviously my work in student affairs and uh, ended up bringing me back to Tulsa the following week. He just calls me random like, hey, we got this position opening up with the Woody Guthrie Bob Dylan Center. Um, and while I was there um, at that meeting, I ran into Chris Davis, um, who I believe was talking about World Culture Music Festival, but I could be wrong. Yeah, we um, were we were just talking about just, I think, big vision for like Tulsa music uh, specifically, you know, at that point, um, have been in some conversations about the festival, but Brandon is a dreamer just like me and View, and so he's just someone that for the last several years since I've been back in Tulsa, we could always just, you know, chop it up, and I think he really brought the two of us together, because I remember he was telling me, man, I got this friend, like, he's doing his PhD, and like, it, it's a it's a dissertation, you know, his dissertation is a, is a hip-hop album, and I was at these sessions, and like, it's crazy, and, da -da -da, and I'm like, that sounds like somebody that we need in Tulsa. And so I was very interested to meet to meet Stevie from the from the moment I heard about him. And and yeah, I think Brandon set that that meeting up where we uh, finally connected and and viewed you shared some uh, music from the space program project, your dissertation project. 
Um, and, and I think I just had a sense immediately. I was like, this is someone that like is going to play an important role in, in Tulsa. Like, even though it wasn't near finalized, like his job or anything, I don't think he actually moved here for like maybe six months after that. But sometimes you get that spidey sense where you just like, no, this person has some work to do like in, in my life and all of our lives. And, uh, and we really stayed locked in from, from that first meeting, didn't we? Yeah, Shout we out did. to Brandon Oldham. Oh, right. Absolutely. Oh, bro. So clutch. That, absolutely. That we, could talk, we could talk the rest of the day about Brandon for real. See, because yeah. like I had like, hey, you used to come into the bar, you know, you'd be with the with the cats from uh, Teach for America or something like that. You know what I mean? And, you know, serving drinks, always nice. See my folks. So. Yeah. So yeah. I think a lot, I think a lot of people always ask, like, who created the idea of Fila? And I think Fila was a uh, crystallization type of project. I mm -hmm. think. I mean, I think I get a lot of a lot of the praise, but I think it was being moved in so many different ways. Um, I know for a fact that, you know, my, my in, inception of this was when I actually watched the Dreamville documentary and I was looking at the work I was doing with the space program and I just saw that documentary where they were recording and I was like, I, I can do this, but I also want to be able to do this in a way that speaks to like, Oklahoma and Oklahoma history, but I didn't know what that looked like. And so when I was, you know, brought to Tulsa, that's when my world kind of started spinning. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big, his, like, history, like, geek. Um, and, you know, I had a, I had an ultimatum in that, in that job, like, hey, do I, do I just accept the job? Or do I push the organization in a way that helps uh, black and brown people like tell their stories and so literally they offer me the job and typically people wait until afterwards to say like hey I want these things and I said hey that non-negotiable is doing this project and I think once they said yes and having the conversations with Chris and then talking to Steph and like everything me moving in August of that year 2019 everything just started moving and Chris was just like, yo, like, what are we doing? Like, Chris is just like, I just remember, like, I called you one day because I had this, I think a lot of times, like big ideas, they show up as like a seed of an idea where you're just like, I don't really like, I don't really know what this is. But like, I was having this like general sense that like, we needed to get everybody together. And, and, and Doc, I don't know if you remember this, but like, I was having those feelings like, when we would talk when I was still in Dallas in like the early 2010s mm -hmm. about when you were telling me about oil house, I'm like, Oh, there should be like a group album where like, we need to like, you know, just, just knowing that like to really benefit from the spotlight, it just felt like the story in Tulsa is like bigger than any one artist. It's the, it's the whole community is the beautiful story. And I remember I called V one day and I was like, man, I just felt like inspired to call you. And like, we had only met a couple times, I think at that point. And I was like, man, I've just been thinking about this group album. I don't like produce music myself. I'm more of like a communications and marketing person. And so I knew that like, we needed to get everybody together. And then I also knew that like, I couldn't just like do that on my own. And then I was like, man, I wonder like what that Dr. View, whatever happened with that job. And I called View and I was like, what do you think about like getting everybody together? He's just like, bro, <laughs> I've got this vision for a Black Wall Street album, bringing everybody together. I'm just like, well, then like we should probably 
be communicating about this whole thing. So. Okay, Absolutely. so you said the vision for the Black Wall Street album. So this is always the piece where I want to put this together because you two are co-executive producers, but we also need to mention that Steph Simon, Dialtone, and St. Dominic are also co-executive producers. So cool. Steph Simon, let us talk about him. He's an Ooh, artist yes. here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a rapper, and he happens to have an album called Born on Black Wall Street. And I've heard an interesting story about you and Dr. View and Steph and how you first met. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, he was, I was just, I mean, I, I, I think people sometimes forget that I was a DJ before I became a producer. So I know, the, I know the landscape, like I'm a his, historian, but not just with just like what we define as history, but also the culture. So like as a DJ, I knew that he was the ambassador of the city and I'm not about to come in anybody's space and like say I'm gonna do a Black Wall Street album and not tap in. Right. Um, so, you know, I just put myself out there and he, I was like, yo man, I'm Dr. View. Um, you know, I'm coming to Tulsa, woo woo to whoop. I'm working with the organization and I already knew like, I gotta be upfront with him about who I'm affiliated with cause I know the, um, the assumptions. And so mm-hmm. he was just like, who the fuck are you? And, uh, <laughs> I said, you want to grab lunch? It's on me. He was like, oh, where are we going? <laughs> so we went to uh, Sweet Lisa's and uh, just very blunt, just very blunt about, hey, I got a Black Wall Street album. Like, why do I need to do this? And it was me just really challenging him and letting him know, like, I see him. I see, you know, what he can do. I see what he's done. And I also see that, you know, for Steph and, and, and the rest of the town to get to a place, I knew I had some cultural wealth. Um with the position that I had to like help them out. And uh, I just really challenged myself to just always be okay with being uncomfortable. And I think a lot of times people don't, don't see that. I think, you know, coming to the town, like I've heard it, like, man, you're uncle Tom, like, you know, you're, you're this, like you got the PhD or like, you're just playing the culture. And so like dealing with that while also working, you know, for, you know, the George Kaiser family foundation and being, you know, one of the only black faces in that space, I was getting it from both sides. And so, you know, when Steph, you know, said that it wasn't even like, I took it a, a negative way. I was like, oh, this is how I gotta like move from now on. I gotta just be honest and direct about everything, be transparent, like no hold any you know grudges back. I have to know all the information or not even know it, but I have to know it enough to where I can answer any question that they give me, just like a dissertation. And so as the more that he saw me moving around in the city, it was like, oh, this, this this dude was different. And I think the, the thing that clicked for him is, you know, Dalton is one of his best friends that um, he's grown up with. And I pulled up on Dalton in Broken Arrow and just sat down on his front steps and just, we just talked for like a couple hours and just understanding his story. And I think that was the difference. He knew that I wasn't here just trying to make a Black Wall Street album to make myself look good because of what I've done in my past. It was like, no, I'm really here because I love the town, the spirit. It, I think it already touched me even before I moved here. And I was really just ready to work and like put them in a position to be successful. But yeah, it was, and I get it. I get it from Steph. I get that, you know, he's shown so much love to this city, to folks who've come and it hasn't been reciprocated. And so now it was like, I got to protect it at all costs because I know what's coming Two, two years later for the centennial and everybody's going to want to do a Black Wall Street album. Um, so yeah, that was that was the initial conversation 
And now uh, we talk damn near every day. So uh, shout out to Steph. No skips. Can you talk about your relationship with Steph Simon as well? I I would love to. So, um, man, Steph Simon is my brother. Um, Steph Simon is someone that I feel just a strong personal connection. Another person that when I met him, I knew that we had work to do together. And I'll give you uh, the best possible example. If you know anything about Tulsa, you know Steph's, you know, stature in the community. You know, he is not only an incredible artist, rapper, um, but, you know, just a community leader. He does so many different things. He was really one of the first Tulsa artists to really be talking about Black Wall Street regularly in his music. And I think if you listen to our podcast, uh, you'll hear that come up again and again, how many artists in Tulsa learned about Black Wall Street from Steph. But, you know, my... I I am from Tulsa, grew up, I went to Carver Middle School and and Booker T. Washington High School, which are both uh, on the north side of Tulsa, um, which Tulsa is still a pretty segregated city. So most black people do live on the north side. Um, And so those schools are magnet programs where, you know, they intentionally are bringing, you know, diverse populations into those schools. And, and, you know, those schools are known for academic excellence and they're real pillars uh, in our community. Carver is is situated right on Greenwood, um, probably right in an area that was bombed in 1921, um, and Booker T, you know, not too too far down the road. Um, but when I was, I, before moving back to Tulsa, which was like in 2016, um, I was actually good friends with Doc Free um, back in like 08, 09. And so Doc was kind of like letting me know there was a hip hop scene. I would come back from Dallas and go to like shows, um, but the, to, to answer the question about Steph, I met Steph Simon my second day in Tulsa. And if you know anything about Steph, you know that you don't just move to Tulsa <laughs> and meet Steph Simon. Uh, and I think that that really speaks to just like, like View was saying, like feeling like called back here in a way, feeling like I didn't really know why I needed to come back to Tulsa, but I knew you know, I was kind of at a point where like I was, I needed to make a change where I was at in Dallas and it was like either Tulsa or, you know, New York or something. And uh, my friend Spencer Ganey, shout out to Spence, um, introduced me to Steph. He, he told me to pull up to his house. Steph was there doing a, a band rehearsal and um, I ended up driving Steph home that night. And, you know, we just really developed a friendship over the years, which evolved into, you know, a business partnership. Um, and, you know, I'm honored to work alongside him and pretty much everything that he's involved with now. And, um, I think that it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's difficult to explain, but all I can tell you is that, um, meeting Steph and the other artists, primarily of the World Culture Music Collective, um, which is a group in Tulsa that, um, in addition to the oil house collective really paved the way for a lot of what's happening with fire in little Africa. Um, so shout out to King cut, shout out to verse, shout out to everybody in world culture. Um, but what I found when I moved back to Tulsa was really this community that I didn't realize I was missing. And I didn't realize that what a, what a real supportive, loving community could really look like. I just knew that I was into entrepreneurship. 
and I knew that I, I, I wanted to start a business and I knew that I wanted to work with artists and I knew that I was creative. And what I found with Steph and the other artists here was a community of people that were on the same vibe. And, and not only that, you know, people that were focused on making their dreams come true. And I think that that is such an important thing to like focus on when you think about Fire in Little Africa is these are artists that didn't let go of their dreams, you know, despite the fact that, you know, we're here in the middle of the map, despite the fact that the common wisdom would have said a long time ago to go to Houston or go to Atlanta. Um, these are artists that, that wanted to stay here and claim uh, what is rightfully theirs, which is to be in Tulsa and to be successful here and to be an artist here. And I just found deep resonance, you know, with this community, we were just aligned on all of our values. And then once I started hearing more of the music and just meeting more of the people, it was just, you know, a wrap. But I think that, um, you know, I can never, I can never explain, you know, really what the relationship is with Steph other than just like, it feels almost mystical. Like he likes to say, like, I was like dropped out of the sky here because, <laughs> you know, it, it was just a, at the time that I arrived in Tulsa, we had like so many artists, like all this talent. And I'm looking around like, well, who's like the management? Like who's, who's like the business side of this operation? Cause like we got all the talent in the world. And like, that's when I started to realize like, oh, like there is a Chris Davis shaped piece missing here. You know what I'm saying? Very, very similar to, you know, a few years later when it's like, oh shit, like we need a Dr. View and like, here we here go Dr. View coming out the sky. So yeah. it, it's incredible. I'm in awe of what has unfolded, what is continuing to unfold. Um, I'm so happy for all of these artists. I'm, I'm happy for our city. You know, this is, this is just a, a, a huge deal. And, and uh, it's just exciting to, to think about everything that's coming for these, you know, for this, you know, beautiful community. And Chris, okay. and Chris, the last thing I want to say, Chris mentioned like people never forget on their, like forgetting their dreams. Like I had a Facebook memory that was from 2010 with a picture with Dom Kennedy, a DJ Dom Kennedy concert at camps in OKC. And I reposted that, that uh, photo. And Steph Simon called me and said, I was at that show with Grand National and Tones Beach, Dalton. Um, and I think some other folks. And so like, even though we didn't know each other, we were already connected. Like it was already like a part of the plan. That's why I keep saying, I'm going to keep saying God's timing is everything because yeah. like, even though we didn't know each other, we were connected by the spirit. And I think even when I think about him saying, you know, who the fuck are you? I think it was more like questioning to make sure I was the person that was supposed to be here. And so, yeah, this is a, uh, you know what that yes. just made me think of? There's an old movie with um, uh, Christopher Reeve called Somewhere in Time. It's about time travel. And there's a moment in the film, he travels back in time to go find this woman. And she looks at him and goes, is it you? And I'm like, that's almost what it felt like just now yeah. when you said that. I'm like, you were you were in the same space together, but you didn't know each other. And Absolutely. then, boom, God's time and brought you back together. Absolutely. I want, I want to say one thing. I remembered an anecdote about Steph that I think will explain our relationship and it'll explain 
the reason we keep talking about God's timing and just like how this whole experience of Fire in Little Africa just feels deeply connected to spirit. So I went to Mexico a few years ago on vacation. And um, when I was there, I just like had this like weird urge where I was like, I feel like I want like a necklace. Like I've never worn anything on my neck. Like I'm not really a jewelry person, but I just had this like weird sensation that like I wanted something to wear on my neck. And I was just like, I knew I would know it like when I found it. And so several days into my trip, like I'm on the beach and like this guy comes up selling like these handmade crafts. And, you know, I was like, oh, maybe this could be like the, ne the necklace that I get. And I, you know, I just like kind of, there was one that I was drawn to and I picked it out and he told me this was a obsidian rock. Um, and so I was like, oh, that's dope. Like I just, I felt like resonant with it. So I put it on and I just started wearing it. And I came back to Tulsa and this was like a time where I was like really kind of like unsure. I was like doing really dope work in the hip hop community, but you know, we hadn't, feel it hadn't happened yet. I was, I was still trying to imagine like, what is this like path forward for Tulsa hip hop really going to look like? Um, and I went to meet up with Steph and I hadn't seen him in a few weeks. I hadn't seen him since I got back from uh, my trip and we go to have a meeting and he shows up and he's wearing an obsidian necklace and he's never worn. I've never seen him wear this necklace before in my life. He's never uh, had it on. It's never been in any photos. Like we've never talked about obsidian or anything like that. I just like randomly had the impulse to get an obsidian necklace get back from Mexico, go meet with Steph. And here we both are with our obsidian necklaces on. So that was like, to me, the signal that like, keep doing what you're doing. Yep. <laughs> you're yep. good. Like, you know what the fuck's going on. Like, trust yourself, trust your instinct and like, keep it pushing. And like, that was like the rejuvenation that I think I really needed at that point in my life to like push through. And, and so again, I just think that that we all have those stories of the synchronicities and the coincidences and the, the confirmations. And, you know, this is this, this Motown deal is just like the culmination that like, we were right. Yeah. <laughs> we, knew, we knew in our hearts that we were doing what we needed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's just staying on the path. Yes, absolutely. It's That's validation today swinging in the hammock in my brother's backyard and the supremes are playing in the background i'm like what is going on right now like oh, the, the crazy part about personally is the last dragon is my favorite movie and i remember like taking you, you already know I, and i remember taking the hbo guides back in the day and like really trying to find when they're going to show the last dragon and i remember one day flipping through it and it said, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. I said, I don't, I'm, I'm young at this time too. Like I'm really young. I'm, I have no concept of who Barry Gordy is. And I'm like, I don't care about Barry Gordy. I just want Bruce Leroy. I want The Last Dragon. And uh, it's just really crazy that, you know, once I found out who Barry Gordy was and that movie really shaped my thinking and it's actually connected to Black Wall Street and I can I could do a whole conversation, but we'll do that so later. We're, while we're talking about Barry Gordy, let's yeah. I want to jump into how in the world did the Motown deal even happen and what exactly does this mean for Tulsa? Like this is huge. Yeah. Yeah. So um we recorded the album March of twenty twenty, mm -hmm. five days. hundred and forty three songs were recorded in those five days. May I point out for a moment, one, four, three, I love you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so we, uh, 
we were just on a on a natural high after that weekend. It just we recorded at Skyline Mansion, which was formerly known as the Brady the Brady Mansion, and you know Felix Jones. Shout out to Felix Jones, 2016. You know bought that, flipped it, and now it's an event space that we're utilizing, and we recorded that project there as well as the Greenwood Cultural Center. And so we recorded that weekend, and then the pandemic hit, and we're like, what the fuck? How are we going to sustain ourselves leading up to the centennial? This happened in March of 2020, this pandemic, uncertainty of not being able to figure out when we're going to meet with people in person. And yeah, it was just like, yo, I was just panicking. I was freaking out. And so, and let me go back. Let me go back, uh, because I think it's important to talk about Chris in this moment. So a month prior to recording, we were supposed to be recording at OETA, which is on Greenwood. And uh, a month prior to us recording, they said we have a fiduciary responsibility to protect state property, which basically meant that they felt that these artists, these black artists and creators were gonna steal their equipment. So they backed out a month out and I was pissed, like so pissed. I called Chris and I'm like, we're a month out. We don't have a venues. What are we going to do? And uh, it was just like Chris just was being led by the spirit. He didn't even flinch. He was just like, maybe the ancestors just telling us that's not the place for us to be. And as soon as he said that, I just, I, I didn't even think twice about like, I'm not even going to worry about it. And so he, uh, Chris mentioned like, yo, let's talk to Francis and Michelle Brown at the Greenwood Cultural Center and uh, see if we can do it there. And, uh, you know, in a couple hours, I went over there and, and we made it happen. But they were like, we only have four days available out of the five. And so that Saturday was available. And again, Chris is like, yo, what about the Skyline Mansion? And we talked to Felix and we made it happen. So we recorded the project and then the pandemic hits and I'm panicking and I'm like, how are we gonna listen to music? How are we gonna make cuts? And so we had a executive team of producers and engineers who recorded that weekend, as well as our executive team, uh, Dalton, St. Dominic and Steph and myself. And we literally cut records through Zoom. Like we would share our um, audio and we had them in different tiers. Tier one is like, Definitely album potential, tier two, maybe, but more so like a mixtape type of feel. And then tier three is just like, no, nah, we're, we're, we're cool. So um, we literally did that for like four weeks straight. And we narrowed the, the, the list down from like 143 to about 30 records. And uh, so while we're doing this, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, just open and honest and I, I'm talking to my bosses, the American Song Archives, which is the Woody Guthrie and the Bob Dylan Center. And uh, I am aware that Bob Dylan's publicist, whose name is Larry Jenkins, is on retainer with the foundation. And just, I asked, you know, Stan Doyle and Steve Higgins, shout out to Steve, like, hey, you know, we got this Fire Little Africa project. Is there a way that Larry Jenkins, who used to be president and CEO of Sony Records in the early 90s, um, I was like, hey, is there any way he can help us gain some traction with Fire Little Africa on a national, international platform? And uh, he said, absolutely. So a week later, I had a meeting with Larry Jenkins, and we shared literally just rough, rough uh, recordings. This hadn't been mixed, hadn't been mastered. It's, it's rough. 
and I shared a couple of the songs with the lyrics and hop on a call and Larry's just like, just like amazed, like damn near in tears. Like I did a presentation about, you know, the project, the origin of Fire in Little Africa and everything. And he listens to the music and he's just blown away. And he says, Ethiopia is going to love this. And I'm like, I'm like, I raised my hand, like through the Zoom. And I'm like, who and who or what the hell is Ethiopia? And he says, Ethiopia is the, at the time was the president CEO of Motown Records. And I'm like, oh, okay. Shit just got real. Um, (laughs) Shit just got real. Can you share with us uh, the tracks that you had him listen to? I gave him, I believe, Shining, which is actually the first uh, song that's going to be released from the album. Mm. Um, and that's a whole another story about how that was created. Um, I believe City of Dreams, which, well, so Shining has Step Simon, Dial Tone, A. Yilla, and Jericho Wortham on the record, mm-hmm. uh, produced by yours truly. And then uh, City of Dreams, which is St. Dominic which is produced by Canvas. Shout out to Canvas and Dom. And I believe um, North Tulsa got something to say, which has, gosh, I know Doc Free, Saran, uh, Haiti, Asha, and I'm missing somebody. First verse, first verse. And that's produced by Mally Motives. And uh, yeah, he was like, Ethiopia is going to fall in love with this. And so... I think I called Chris right after and I was like, bro, and I always do this to people. I'm like, man, are you sitting down? And I'm like, <laughs> bro, I was like, <laughs> I just said shit just got real. And then he was like, what are you talking about? And we're, we're, we're talking through those things. And so about two weeks later, we get on a call with Motown representatives, um, senior AVPs, A&Rs. And I was I was hella anxious because I'm like, I'm thinking about the music industry, the things I've heard, the horror stories. And I'm like, I don't want this shit to go south. And lo and behold, we get on the call and uh, I see, for the most part, people that look like me on this call, which was like very reassuring, um, reassuring <laughs> for sure, especially with like Motown, you know, the, the, the context of what Motown is and was and will be. Um, especially now with with Fila. And so we're on the call. We're talking about the project. They're listening still to rough, you know, songs, having been mixed a little bit, but we're still working through the kinks. And then they say, we're actually going to do, um, we're interested in doing a licensing deal with you all. And so for those who are not aware, a licensing deal is basically, you know, as the entity, as Fire Little Africa, we still own the rights to our music, but we're licensing Motown to to utilize it in any shape, form, or fashion, which is a 15-year licensing deal. So for 15 years, they'll be able to utilize the Fire Little Africa um, content. And so they say we want to do a licensing deal, and they say we want to distribute through Black Forum. So again, I raise my little hand, and I'm like, you know, what is Black Forum? And they say Black Forum was an entity that Barry Gordy developed, um, I believe in the early 60s, uh, right around the civil rights movement, you know, the, the, the racial, you know, anti-Black experiences that was happening in America. 
they wanted to speak to those times and they mentioned that Martin Luther King was signed to Black Forum and they would take his speeches, record them and put them on vinyl and, and you know, sell them to the masses. So it was kind of like, like distribution, like the world was getting the message out. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, like, God, you must be like, you must really like me. Like, you must mm-hmm. like really like, and I, I know you love me, but you like really must like me and Chris and finally after what it stands for. Um, and, you know, for, for those that don't know, Black Forum hasn't been in existence for over 30 years. And the fact that they were saying, yo, we're going to bring this back and Fire Africa is going to be the first project on that really, it really meant for me that not only was, did Motown see the talent, but they also understood what we were trying to convey in our stories and our messages. Right. And it just, it just really reassured me again that they had our best interests at heart. And so, you know, obviously the contracts took a long time. You know, Larry helped us out in a lot of different ways to the point where he pulled me to the side when we started like really going back and negotiating this deal. And he said, look, I have been president and CEO of a major label. And he says, I know how this game works and it's slow. You have to be patient. It's going to be frustrating. You all need an independent publicist. And he said, I have the perfect person for it. And he says, look up the name Yvette Noel Shore and call me back. And he just hangs up the phone. And so I'm like, okay. So I get on Google and I type in her name, Yvette Noel. And you know how stuff starts to populate. Mm-hmm. And I'm typing Yvette Noel. And then it says something. And I'm like, Mm, no, nah, let me delete it. Maybe I spelled her name wrong. And so I put it in again and I make sure I actually text Larry. I'm like, I want to make sure I have her name spelled correctly. And so spell her name. I, mean, I type it again and the same thing pops up. So I'm reading these articles and I'm reading an article and it says that, you know, when Larry Jenkins was president CEO of Sony records, he gets a call one day and it's, um, a black lady on the phone and she says, Hey, I'm posted. I'm a journalist with such and such, such and such. And I am supposed to be reviewing Mariah Carey's album and I need it now. And he said, I guess he was also led by the spirit and he ended up hiring her on the spot and she became Mariah Carey's publicist, which turned into Whitney Houston, which turned into Prince, which turned into John Legend, which turned into Destiny's Child which is now, she's now the publicist for Beyonce. So everything that you've seen from Lemonade special on HBO to the Mm. homecoming special Mm. on Netflix to um, the Disney special to the the Ivy Park and all the non-disclosure agreements that people have had to sign with all of those projects. That is Yvette Noel Shore, who is now our publicist. And so a funny story about that. He says, you all need Yvette Noel Shore so I look her up and I call him back and I'm like, okay, Larry, how the hell are we going to get Yvette Noel Shore to come to little old Tulsa to work with us? And two weeks later, we get on a call and I am nervous as hell <laughs> because I'm like, this is a one in a lifetime shot of having Yvette Noel Shore, who's the publicist for Beyonce, also be the publicist for Fire in Little Africa. And Again, God's timing is everything. I'm on this call. I am 
having these ditty type of feelings where he was on in his office and he gets on the phone and he hangs up and starts. <sighs> I'm like, I can't take no for an answer. And I'm doing so much thinking that it was already done. I get on the call. I'm about, Larry introduces me. I'm about to present. Yvette says, hey, I just want to let you know the answers. You can go ahead and present, but the answer is already yes. And so, you know, Chris knows me. Like, I'm a very, like, I'm in the moment present. Like, I don't show really emotion. I was. I think it's everybody know you know that's a parent. <laughs> My man, view walk around, hella reserved, very stoic. We'll call it stoic. Yeah, <laughs> I lost my fucking mind. <laughs> like, and the things that she were, that she said on that call just just blew my mind. And and I want to I want to leave that for Chris to talk about. But yeah, that is essentially how this deal happened. Larry Jenkins, um, Steve Higgins, and Stanton. The 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 opportunity, the access, like that's the piece, like that's the piece for me in the final little Africa project is the access and, and the people who are willing to provide the access that we need to like have a more human dwelling experience in this, in this place that we call America, like outside of the music, like that access was the, the most critical piece with this final Africa project and, and having Larry on the team was, 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 was critical. And so, yeah, he even provided us legal counsel, pro bono, like everything, mm-hmm. everything was just divinely, you know, put together. And so, yeah, we signed the deal probably like mid, mid-March, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I can't remember, but, but yeah, yeah, go, go, go for it, Chris. I was just going to say, I feel like we might need to pause and let people pick their, their brains up off the floor because, uh, <laughs> So Bob Dylan's publicist (laughs) connected us to Motown and connected us to Beyonce's publicist, who is now our publicist and we're on Motown. Like, that's just a real sentence that is true about this project. And that's just amazing. And I think what's really cool is like, if you talk to the artists that have been in the scene and Ali and Doc, I mean, for those of y'all that are just tuning in, Doc Free is not only a podcast host, but he was one of the founding members of the Oil House, the legendary Wait, Oil House. Hold collective. on, no skips. You gotta say it like this though. Oh, ah, like you gotta there say go. it really loud because they're dopish. Get up on the they're, table, they, baby. They are, age. they are pioneers that we uh, that we love. They started rapping in Tulsa when um, there was no hip hop scene here, and there was really no downtown scene. Our hip hop scene. A lot of people don't know this. It started out that venues weren't even willing to give a hip hop artist their own show. The earliest hip hop shows in Tulsa were opening for metal bands. And that was only like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? And then we had, you know. That mostly like a sound pony? It was a little different. It was a little different because we started out collaborating with like punk bands, pop punk, well not pop punk, they're like more thrash more speed metal but bands like lizard please we were paired with uh electronic dance bands cardant because that was the place that was like you know sound funny was all inclusive you know and you know you talk to a lot of these non-black and brown uh folk and they will school you on some hip-hop or put you up on some stuff it was like the music kind of brought everything in together 
And then it got to a point because I noticed when I stepped off the scene, started bartending and stuff, like there was that shift happened where it was like, yeah, you couldn't get that singular show because they were trying to get all that money. But it was like, no, well, we got this lineup that we would like to present. Yeah. Just these mm-hmm. folks kind of thing. So, but. And just to let everybody know, Sound Pony is a tiny little like dive bar, really dope spot um, for a lot of different types of personalities and any genre of music. Like you really don't know what you're going to get sometimes when you walk in there. It is a safe haven for counterculture and cyclist culture if you're down with that biking business. Yeah. So what I wanted to say, though, is like. I can recall like from the time I arrived in Tulsa again, when I've returned in 2016, like it's something we tell people all the time. Like you feel the energy when you get here, especially mm-hmm. if you're like in involved with this stuff and you're feeling like just that sense of purpose and destiny. But like what I found in, in the community here in 2016 was like, everybody was like in the mindset that they had like, already like made it like like you know that's like real faith to me it was it was like they on like an internal level were the most successful artists in the world and it was just like it was not a question of like if Tulsa was like ever going to like pop but it was like when is that inevitably going to happen and so I feel like what's been what's unfolded in the last year with regards to like signing to Motown and working with Yvette it's like obviously we didn't know the specifics of what was going to happen but if you had talked to to Steph and Tone and King Cut three years ago they would have told you that like something like this is going to happen because we've all been not only putting in the work but like we've all been I feel like holding this vision together it's Mm -hmm. like a collective vision of the rising of Tulsa hip hop. It's like, we all know like manifestation is all the rage, you know, and and that gets talked about a lot nowadays. Imagine a group of 50 people who are all manifesting the same thing together at the same time, which is for Tulsa to be known as a hip hop city, for Tulsa to be known as, you know, a, a relevant cultural spot for hip hop music. And I think that what we have experienced and in, in what is unfolding is the, the result of what happens when 50 plus people hold the same vision and put in the work to make that vision possible. It's not enough to just like have a vision and then just sit at the house. You gotta, you gotta move in the world as if your vision is possible. So if you say you want Tulsa to be the next great hip hop city, what are you doing today? to make that a reality. And I think not only that, the third key element, I think to what has happened here is love, you know, and that's, that sounds corny, but like that is part of the message that I think Tulsa has to the world. This is a community that loves each other and that collectively are holding this beautiful vision of what is possible for everyone's lives here and leading with love and moving in love and every single thing uh, that they do. And that is just a recipe for beautiful things to, to happen. And so even though we didn't know the specifics of like what label or what, I mean, I remember View, View and I would talk like when we first started talking about the project, it was like a foregone conclusion that like a record label was going to carry this. Like it, it was just like not even like a, I wonder if. And like 
there's you know, too but, many big moving parts for it not to you know what i mean like well, <laughs> absolutely yeah it, it, exactly and i think again credit to stanton and steve for believing in the vision and providing the access to you know the larry jenkins of the world that um allowed us to really expand what this project really can be and i think now that we now that we have something that is really probably the it seems inevitable that we're going to look back on this as like the most significant pop culture moment that Oklahoma has had probably ever. And it makes sense. Like it's coming all from a dope, solid foundation. Like it's never been weak here from UAT. But I would, I would, I'm sorry, bro. I, I just, I just have to say, even I know we say in Oklahoma, I don't think it's far fetched to save the world. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to justify why mm. for a couple of reasons. Motown signed the state of Oklahoma. Motown signed the state. Like, and artists, and artists are still independent artists. Like, they signed Fire Little Africa, but the artists are still independent. So, and this is a state project. Like, where has it ever been done? Right. Like, ever. Like, when, and, and going back to Chris's point, when we're talking about love, when, when he says love, I'm also saying the lack of ego. Like, yes, people are really checking their egos. Like the conversation that we have, even like when I bounce off ideas from Chris, it's like, I, I just, I'm, I'm asking you because I want to make sure I'm not tripping, that mm -hmm. I'm not doing something that's going to affect this project. Right. They, Motown signed the state. Like mm -hmm. that's never been done before. And not only that, like, I think one of our intentions from the outset of this project was to create a platform, you know, Absolutely. that that artists could utilize, you know, I think a lot of times in Oklahoma, we have felt like, you know, we're on the island and we, we spelling out help me and rocks, maybe a plane's gonna maybe a plane's gonna fly over. But I think that what I really love about like this, what the deal is, is that it can be it's going to be this major pop culture moment. But all the artists are still independent. And so, you know, we're going to create this huge swell of opportunity where I think the, the hope and the intention is that, you know, these artists are now in high demand and maybe as an individual, like they can go get signed to Motown or to somebody else or to, you know, and that really for Tulsa to be able to spread all over the industry, you know, and not just in music, but, you know, we got artists that would make a fine actor or actress as well. Like everything. Oh, yeah. I think it's just, this is, this is the, the big bang of Tulsa, you know, just getting injected into every nook and cranny of the industry. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm excited for everyone. Cause a lot of times you get a big deal, but you don't really, you know, a lot of artists aren't really free. And, you know, again, credit to, to everyone involved on the deal, because I think that we've managed to find the balance between like, the label getting what they want and you know everything working on that side as well as like the individual artists like still having the freedom to control their own destiny because i know i believe and and view just the same like every artist should should be able to chart their own path if you want to sign to a major label like i would love to see you do that if you want to start your own label i would love to see you do that like every artist has a different definition of success for themselves. Oh, and I think the, that the we, spirit of Black Wall Street is definitely alive here in that regard. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Everybody and, got the LLCs popping up. 
And even right. then, like I'm 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 looking forward to the questions about, well, you know, this person wasn't on the project or why was I part of this project? But like if one, that's probably the reason why you're not on this project. That's the first one. Two, in even in spite of the fact that you're not on the album, the fact that the this Motown deal is going to reverberate in such a way that's going to really Wait. carve out space for those who are a part of the project as well as who are not. So yeah, I mean, I, I've 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 thought about this a lot. So obviously, I I got I got to really like stand on this. But yeah, it's this is for everybody. Like like it, even though those who are not on the on the project, like this is for everybody. Everybody can take advantage of this moment, and that's what that's what we want. Like we can't please everybody, um, but ultimately, it's going to truly support everyone in a major way. So. I actually had a conversation with someone the other day. Uh, it's actually a misunderstanding and mm -hmm. it turned into a really great conversation. And mm -hmm. by the end of the call, it was like, I want you to come meet my mama who lives in Turley. You, you gave her, a, I mean, it was just like, wait, what yeah. happened? Like we were arguing at the beginning of this call, you know what I'm saying? But like, what I love seeing is that when it's those personal connections, you know, like. Shout out, to, shout out to Mr. Burns. Shout out to Mr. Burns. We, <laughs> Man. Me and Mr. Burns were like, I saw him today at, at Lovemore. We were uh, getting fitted for the, the Shining, well, uh, checking out our tux for the Shining video. And uh, oh. yeah, we just had a, a dope conversation. But I know like before this thing even popped off, like it was me and Burns was button heads, like contracts and everything. And I think, again, it was just a misunderstanding of just like, yo, I'm, I'm here for this reason. Like, and I know you have had you know, traumatic experiences in the in the music industry and like people, you know, doing you dirty. The same what that is, because as Doc has said, this is the spirit of Black Wall Street. My success is connected to Burn's success. And so yeah, it's 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 all out of love. I think people have been it's been it's been Tulsa's been in a situation where like if it's if it's if it's good, it's like something it's it's something bad is about to happen. And so I think this is a moment where like, we truly have to embrace it. It is a lot to take in, but yeah. Nihilism yeah. is fear not hope, practical. Fear, fear yeah. of hope is a real thing, man. Yeah, absolutely. And fear, we want everyone hope, to win. Everyone. Absolutely. But I think that, you know, particularly, I think one of the big themes of Fire in Little Africa is, you know, this idea of generational trauma. Like mm -hmm. you can understand why in a city like Tulsa, with our history, which by the way, like we've got artists whose great, great grandparents um, had businesses in Greenwood that were, that were bombed and destroyed. And so you can understand why even in, even a hundred years later that there is still, can I trust this? Yeah. Could life really be good for me? Like, is this really something, you know, is this kind of, you know, is this fairy tale really real, you know? And uh, it, it can be hard to trust that it is, but, um, you know. What I I'm hoping is that we can help change that thing that got embedded into people's DNA. You know, it's yeah. kind of the way I feel about, I have certain family members who they thrive on fear. And I'm like, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I've been a part of that for too long. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of that. Let's change that. What do we got to do to change that? You Little Africa is doing it right now. Yeah. doing that exactly right now i mean yes. it's, just, it's just about experience like you know when you have an experience like like 
you can't see it in a different way. And so it's just a matter of like, this is going to be an experience that's going to be overwhelming, like with joy. And I think like your body just has to react. It's just got to get comfortable with that. Like I, I want to, you're kind of touching on the album. And so what I wanted to ask you specifically was, can you explain to people, like, is this all about history or how would you describe the, the feel album, and the yeah. flow of the album? Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, a lot of, I think when it comes to music, people try to separate the activists from the artists. And I think Tulsa artists are being like, we can do both at the same time. And so I think, obviously it is historical. It is, um, it's art, but it also, it fucking jams. Like if, like, I think St. Dominic and Thomas who said the shit don't jam, like no one's going to pay attention. Like if it didn't jam, Motown wouldn't even be interested, like off top. Like that's just number one. Like, yeah, like being connected to, you know, Black Wall Street and, and that history, but shit is weak. They're going to be like, mm, I don't, I don't know about this. Yeah, so EDB yelling tune every time a particular <laughs> hit come on, man. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot of tunes on this one. I, I will tell you. I think, I think uh, the artists are warping time. I think people are like, I think people are going to listen to these songs and just pause after each one and be like, okay, are these artists talking about 2021 or 1921? Like, because it's just a different year, same shit is happening. Like, we're still seeing public lynchings everywhere. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, it's, it's, it's really speaking to the times when I think about the Justice for Greenwood lawsuit and the songs that we have, Product of Desecration with Hakeem Olajuwon and St. Dominic and then Reparations. Um, it's, it's, it's there when, yeah, it's there, it's there. I'm, I want to let Chris talk, but... It's it's all there. We're warping time. We're being intentional. It's it is a transitional album. So every song is connected to the next song. It's connected to the next song. We're telling the story. Um, I think finally, after has the potential to be on Broadway. I think Ooh. when I think about <laughs> I th when I think about Hamilton, I think I think Hamilton is cute, but I don't think Hamilton is as raw as finally Africa and. The, when I hear the album and the, the visions that I see, I see finally out there being so much bigger and uh, Broadway is definitely on my, on my, on my brain. And so, I'm yeah. on Broadway right now. Like I am there. Yeah, yeah. I'm called my friend Utopia. I'm staying in Brooklyn and I'm there. It, yeah. I, I, I see it. I think the thing that I would add about just like the actual content of the album, it's, it's a bit of like a collage. It's kind of like, um, it flows together, but it also kind of has like a mixtape feel because the thing about Tulsa hip hop, like that's, I would say different than other scenes is like, you know, there's like Houston rap and Atlanta rap and like it's, it's and West coast rap and East coast rap. And it's all kind of united typically by like the production elements. Um, and even like most recently, like Drake coming up with 40 and that Toronto sound, right? Tulsa is has so many talented artists and, and everyone just really does their own thing. There's like definitely what I would call a Tulsa sound, but like overall, I would say like our music and the artists of Fire in Little Africa are more um, tied together by like the content and what they actually talk about in their songs. 
So, you know, entrepreneurship, um, self-healing, spirituality, Black Wall Street, all of these things. So when you listen to Fire in Little Africa, you're on this journey through like all these like individual artists and artist collectives and different combinations of people that like, it's all of one piece, but it's, it's a journey through, like you said, a journey through time, through space. It kind of like starts out like, I would say like the, the, it's kind of divided into thirds a little bit. Like the first third of the album feels like we kind of get like the historical stuff kind of like off top. Like there's a song called Elevator, which is really like about the truth of, of what might've happened in the elevator between Dick Rowland and Sarah Page. And um, mm -hmm. that's, I'm, I'm referring to um, the incident that was, you know, essentially the, the altercation that was the scapegoat for the Tulsa Race Massacre. Um, Diamond Dick Rowland um, was a young man. I believe he was 19 years old. Uh, he was a shoe shiner. Uh, and the whole, you know, kind of like catalyst, or at least, you know, what the white folks in town utilized as like the catalyst for the massacre was that, that Dick Rowland has supposedly attacked Sarah Page in an elevator. And so the song on Fire in Little Africa called Elevator with Hakeem and Steph it's kind of an alternate history of that. And same a little bit with City of Dreams, which is the track that follows it with St. Dominic. It's kind of, you know, there's a lot of evidence uh, that we now know that Dick Rowland and Sarah Page were in a relationship. And that the reason they were probably in the elevator is to like hook up. And that, you know, there's a lot of people that think that, you know, so, so Rowland was not killed in the massacre. Um, there's a lot of people that think that they fled Tulsa together and ended up getting married later. And so I think that's just like an example the, the first third of the album, a lot of it is like, let's get the fucking historical record straight. Let, let, like, let's, let's get the truth, you know, and, and let's uncover what really happened in 1921. And then I think as it moves through the middle section of the album is really, that's where like that product of desecration songs like, you know, comes from and really like the generation, generational trauma piece where you see that our city had struggles with those things in certain time periods and like you can directly connect that to the massacre you know and then moving up until i would say like the the final stretch of the record is really like you know a celebration of like the modern era of tulsa hip-hop which now is the everything is us season where you know we've come together and we've you know all the different you know hip-hop collectives and individual artists in the city came together put egos aside i mean let me just tell you if there is a if there is a creative community in the world with fewer egos than what we deal with in tulsa like i would love to i would love Facts. to hear about it Facts. i would i would love to hear about it and so i think like you know towards the end of the record it's, it's a lot more of like that kind of jubilance and that kind of like celebration of the the current spirit uh, uh, the city and and just kind of as a look towards you know the future but it's it's a anthology I would say it's like mm -hmm. a it is a body of work it is a um, it is an opus like for real like it, it is it is an opus <laughs> Dr. you're going crazy on the zoom I know it's can a, we just say like that's several times I've seen him do this although on the <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I've never seen Dr. View so hype in my life. Like, if, if you ain't hype right now, what are you waiting oh, for? If, if, right? if, 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 if you only knew how 
difficult, how difficult it has been. Like you two would be doing this yes. too, because uh, yes. yeah. So and, and Chris, Chris knows 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 that feeling too. Just just the just the grind. Like it's been truly a grind. It's been a sacrifice. You know. You know. I'm I'm a husband. I'm a father. Like it's been a lot of nights where I have been away from my my son and 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 my wife, and and it's because of, but it's but it's also the support I've received of like you too can follow your passion. Um, so shout out to my wife on top of that. But just knowing that if when I, if I'm going to leave this house, I'm going to leave it for a purpose that's bigger than me. And like working with Chris and like just really just holding each other accountable to make that shit happen. Like, yeah, that's the main reason why I'm, I'm excited for, you know, Billboard to, to, to drop this this press release and, and make, make the shit happen. So, Man. yeah. Man, yeah. well, let's let's slide into uh, what's the first single that's going to be released? Because I I know what it is. Let, can we speak on yeah. that a little bit yeah. further? Yeah, so I want to I want to tell the I so the record's called Shiny, um, and it's uh, Step Simon again, uh, Dalton, Ayilla, and Jericho Worthen. And a uh, funny story how that song was made. You know, I'm also I mean outside of a co-executive producer, I produced uh, two of the records. Uh, on the album and one of them is shining and funny story i was in the mansion and that was the first time i actually got to sit down and make a beat that we can you know we would me chris the rest of the executive team were just really trying to put all this together you know with the artists as well as the hip-hop journalists and you know the food runs and um you know all the performances just making sure everybody was good and saturday was the first day that I just found space on the second floor, found my corner and just started making making music. And I found I found the sample and I made the record in like 10 minutes. Hold I, on, can I pause for just a moment? You made that beat during the sessions? I thought it was done before. Nope, it was not done before. Okay, I'm gonna pause a moment for our listeners. I need everyone to understand. This is the beat that never stopped playing the whole time, y'all, five days and nights. It was playing at the Greenwood Cultural Center where most of the recordings took place. And if you've not heard of, if you've not, if you've not seen Watchmen, they kind of reference the Greenwood Cultural Center here in Tulsa and it looks very futuristic and you can see holograms of people. It's not quite like that yet. yet. However, <laughs> it's a really dope space um, for, I mean, lots of events take place there. There are pictures on the it's wall. It's like a community center. Yeah, it's like, it a, is. It's, it's almost like a museum um, or like there's, there's elements that are, that are a museum too. Like, you know, there's newspaper articles all over the building that are, you know, from 1921 and the years after. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, the people that grew up in North Tulsa, like they would go to weddings at the Greenwood Cultural Center. They would go I to had like- my 40th birthday there. Right. It's, it's like not a recording like, studio. Like seven it, DJs. Like, we, we we flipped it out and made it into a studio for five days and like yeah. So it, wait, yeah. so, so we started recording at the Greenwood Cultural Center and then that following Saturday in the middle of the sessions we went to what is now known the Skyline Mansion mm-hmm. and that is when you made the beat. Yeah. Me, me and Nolo, shout out to Nolo, um, my my one of my favorite producers by far, and. Uh, yeah, we were just going back and forth, just like talking shit. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna sit sit down. I'm not gonna talk anymore. I'm gonna put these headphones on. I'm gonna zone out. Made the beat in ten minutes, 
And literally, God's timing is everything because here I see Steph coming from, I believe, the basement, coming up to the second floor, and he yells out to all these different rooms, hey, does anybody got any song with some horns in it? And I'm not on Zoom, not on Zoom this time, but I raised my hand. I'm like, yo, bro, I got, I got this record that I just put together. Um, it's got some horns in it. So I let him listen to it, and he was like, God damn, view, where you come from? <laughs> <laughs> and he 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 took the record and they made Shining. Um and Shining is just fun fact. So Yvette Noel Shore, our publicist, actually texted me last week. Um we finally got all the records mastered. And she texted me and it was mad tricky. And I don't know if I've told Chris this actually. Mm. Um, but she said my favorite song is Shining, so I hope that's the first single. That's what she said. And then two, she said, Shining is the 2020 version of James Brown on Black and Proud. Ooh. That, that's a big, that's a big, that's a. Yo, yo, uh, that is, that is so true. Oh my gosh, I just had a whole moment. I got to stand in that's, a that's with James Brown's daughter. Her standing next to his picture and going, that's my daddy. <laughs> oh my it's, it's, it's got I, anthem feel. It it's does. It's a banger. It, it, to me, I feel like Shining is the perfect first single because to me, it really embodies the project. You know what I mean? It's even with like View producing it and Steph and Dialtone are both, you know, co-executive producers and, you know, it, the content, it just, you'll know when you see it, but like, this is, I can't imagine a better song to be that like first listen. You know what I mean? That, Yo, that I, mo- I literally mo- got it goosebumps. Is, it sounds to me, the, the, what I was trying to do is, I was trying to envision what does hip hop sound like in the 1920s? Mm. Like, like hip hop wasn't a thing then, but like, if I could just go back in time, like what would hip hop sound like as people are in their Model T Fords and going to the Dreamland Theater and like seeing people walk by and just like feeling like royalty, like in their black skin. Like it, yeah, that's 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 the record. And the way Jericho Wortham stayed in that room. Y'all, let me tell you real quick. She stayed in this room for, and it actually was her office space at the Green Mm -hmm. Cultural Center. And she was writing and writing. Now, Jerrica is a spoken word artist. So she, but she's never really rapped before. And so when she came out of that room and she, we were all like, what just happened? Like- That's that's the only song she recorded to that whole weekend. Yes. The whole, the only People are gonna hear Shining and be like, oh, Jerrica Wortham, she must just be like the queen of Tulsa rap. And it's just like, (laughs) she's definitely a queen in Tulsa, but like people didn't know she could rap. She's gonna turn some heads when they Uh, hear that. I mean, she she makes a song. Actually, you know what? Plug in like a previous podcast episode. I'm pretty sure that when Jerrica was on our podcast, we asked her to recite her verse from Shining. And I'm pretty sure you can go back and listen to that episode uh, and and hear it, but you're going to hear it on Shining in a different way. But I think... uh, I don't don't know if y'all seen her do her thing whenever she grabs a mic and has a book in hand. Bro, oh but yeah, it's it's the same vibe, like the way she started. Hey, cause you know, right now I had to just put it in one second, one time. We've been talking about the song the whole day. 
episode, so I had to put it in while we're talking about it. And I'm keep running back. I'm running back the part, man. And I'm telling you, it hits. And I just see her just pointing, pointing a finger out there. You know what I'm saying? To the yes. universe of like, don't test this. Don't try this. We've been through this. Yeah. All right? And it, yeah. Yeah. I love, I love Jerica. And shout out to the Greenwood Arts Project. Um, she's doing amazing things. For those yes. who don't know, it's, it's um, the Bloomberg um, Foundation gave a million dollars to the city of Tulsa, I believe, um, and created this um, project called the Greenwood Arts Project, where individuals in the in the Greenwood community, North Tulsa community, can develop public projects um, in preparation for the centennial. And so, you know, Jerrica has been doing an amazing job um, overseeing that. So I want to give her her flowers on that. So definitely. Yeah, she, I, you know, I, I jokingly call her Tulsa's Oprah because it's like, how else can we describe like what she really is about? But no, she's just Jericho Wortham, period. Yep. And well, you're, you're going to know <laughs> who yeah. she is. I, I think like that's something people need to know when I say like it embodies the project is like we had a few poets like we got, you know, Fire in Little Africa is rappers, singers, musicians. Uh, shout out to Amari Ford. We had violinists. We had O'Malley on the saxophone. We had everything, and and Jerrica, like like Ali said, has never been a musical artist. She re, she's released, I believe, spoken word albums, and she performs live, and is just a presence and and a lyricist turned mogul, to quote her IG. But that's that's what this project is. It was like let's get all of the talented, let's get all the dope people, and like let's put all the talent in a room together for five days and just let the rest take care of itself like that's what this project is i'm pretty I, sure she could sing too oh, <laughs> oh yeah she but i think for a minute but i think i think another piece we need to make sure we talk about is like the fact that she wasn't a recording artist like and the fact that she could go into that space and feel comfortable because of the ethos of the tulsa hip-hop scene that we have here the fact that she felt comfortable because she was with her peers her brothers and sisters who like you dope too. Like just go up there and, and do the shit that you would do as if, as if it was live. And so, yeah. yeah, that that was a that was a dope experience for her. And I'm I'm glad that she's on the album because she deserves it. Now, you you're working on some other project right now. What's going on with the new album and and what is it called and what is it about? Yeah. So, man. Okay. Now you're gonna make me emotional because I wouldn't I wouldn't prepare for this. But uh, my bad. I uh. <laughs> My next album, you know, after Invisible Man, uh, it's called Tidy, T-I-D-Y. And it's uh it's after my my mother. Her, that's her nickname. Um, shout out to, to Mary Elizabeth Johnson. Um I and the reason why I did this project because because of what we've been doing with Fire in Little Africa, to be honest, I uh I reflect a lot just with the pandemic and just being present in the moment and uh I truly realized that the difference between me and my homies back home was because of the sacrifices that I had from my black mother. And, uh, you know, my mom, you know, if I could talk about her for a second, like in two words, I could describe her as the um, dream deferred. Uh, my mom was the, one of the best, if not the best point guard, high school point guard um, ever. She still holds the national high school assist record for assists in a season and a career, uh, 38 years in county. And uh, I've never seen her play. 
but I'm just, it's always been her pushing me in like so many different ways, educational, just music. Um, she gave me my first two hip hop albums, which was Tupac's Greatest Hits and Miss Educational Lauryn Hill. Ooh. Um, and, I uh, love your mama so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, mm. you know, just, just always been there, like, you know, encouraged me to come to Oklahoma for school. Uh, was just like, yo, Ariel, that, that's your wife. Like, I, I know, like, she's just always a visionary. And that's just something that I've, you know, just grown to have a skill set as well. And so the project is really just about her, like me developing a highlight tape, a sonic highlight tape for her. Funny story, funny story. I was shooting the 93 Rockets video and uh, Steph Simon pulled up on her. So Tidy is a compilation project where I, I produce all the records and then artists from the town and Oklahoma City and Lawton, which is very similar model to Fire Little Africa. We just recorded the project, but it's a commemoration project for my mother because what I'm saying is like, if it wasn't for my mother, there would be no Dr. View it would be no Dr. View meeting Chris Davis, aka No Skips. It would be no Dr. View and coming to Tulsa and Fire Little Africa, um, meeting Steph Simon, being on this podcast, talking about Motown. You know, just all the it, it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for my mother. So, what type of person would I be when I'm about to, you know, level up and you know be in certain spaces and not forget the one person who was there through and through. Um, so what that, that project is about, but I'm going to leave you with a funny story. You know, she was in town for my son's birthday about uh, two weeks ago, and I was shooting a video for a single of mine, and Steph Simon, while I was shooting Steph Simon, um, just touched her on her shoulder, was like, uh, I bet you ain't, you, I bet you don't have it anymore as far as her playing basketball. And my mom looked at him <laughs> and said, my mom looked at him and said, <laughs> I don't even I don't even tie up my sneaks if you're not putting a hundred dollars on a game. <laughs> <laughs> and Steph Simon, Ooh. aka the ambassador, like walked off and was I like, bet he did. And, he, and he said this. He said this. He said, yo, if tidy the the music is anything like your mother, I'm I'm afraid of this album. I said and you absolutely should be. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a love um, a testament. It's a love letter to my mother, um, but it's also a love letter to the connections of the people I've met. Because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have been able to beat a Steph Simon. So I'm making music for these artists, but I'm doing it in the spirit of my mother, which is similar to the feeler we're doing in the spirit of Black Wall Street. May I quote Tupac for a moment? There is a lyric from Dear Mama that is just in my head the whole time you're talking about it. There are no words that can express how I feel. You never kept a secret, always stayed real. And I appreciate how you raised me and all the extra love that you gave me. That's what I feel like was embedded in you. If she gave you a Tupac, I, I, come on, man. I got to meet View's mother for a brief second when I brought him that VCR so he can watch those old school yeah. tanks her playing and I knew instantly she was about it like I just her presence and I like I just immediately felt this like she needs to be honored like I just felt it from her so that was a that was a great moment for being able absolutely to and, and shout out for the VHS again I've, I've like literally I've, I'm 31 years old and two weeks ago I saw my mom in color like on my screen in my in my living room and I'm literally playing the just the beats 
Like we haven't even got to the, I'm just playing the beats while I'm literally going back and forth. I'm, I feel like a coach in my, in my living room, like looking <laughs> at film, like taking notes. And I'm like, it's, it's just an amazing experience. So yeah, I, I appreciate that, uh, Ali, for sure. Yeah, most welcome for that. It's the least I, I can like do. Real, uh, I, I smell the smell the videos coming all day. The content is gonna be crazy. The rollout's gonna be crazy. So are we gonna expect any? I know you talked about the '93 Rockets video. Any other music videos from the Invisible Man project? Riverside's up next. Um, we're actually shooting that um, this Thursday, so it'll, it'll come out. You know relatively soon but yeah shout out to step simon riverside is a banger riverside i was about to say I mean, that is no skip's is favorite he, track that's my anthem it's about riding your bike so riverside is this this stretch of like bike trail it's like a big park in tulsa along the arkansas river and it's a vibe and a lot of the artists like it's a big biking culture in tulsa and so i think like riverside i think really if you want to understand like tulsa culture you got Steph Simon, you got Southwest Dez, you got Paris Chris rapping about riding bikes on Riverside on a Dr. Yeah, UB. Yeah. Uh, and it go like, uh, all I wanna do is hit the la la la, hit a Riverside, just ride my bike. Pretty young thing, blue with the blue skies, and the money in sync like bye bye bye. All I wanna do is hit the la la la. Hit a riverside, just ride my bike. Pretty young thing, blue with the blue skies, and the money in sync like bye bye bye. I'm feeling like a Rolling Stone. Hop in a Jeep, hit that road. Hybrids in my pre-roll. Tank full, but my eyelids low. Playlist on shuffle mode, but you know the vibe. This is how we chill. 93 until 2024. I think the scenic route, cause we don't rush no more. Burn rubber on me. You know I'm coming at the GAP. Solo when I'm on a mission, but I keep a shooter with me like Chewbacca, no CAP. I don't want no trouble. If I press this button, I go park a brother if you playing game. I just want to get paid and get out. The way. Sip on my pay tea and enjoy my day, but uh, all I wanna do is hit the la la la, hit a riverside, just ride my bike. All I wanna do is hit the la la la, hit a riverside, just ride my bike. Pretty young thing, blue weather, blue skies, and the money in sync like bye bye bye. Hey, shout out, shout out, shout out, Gil Scott here, RIP. No real. doubt. The bottle sample is dope yeah. as hell in Riverside. Yeah. I was so hyped when I first heard it. I'm like, oh, I'm playing this on my show. <laughs> uh, I That definitely has a sample. Just being played on the Weekend Rewind. Man, I'm imagining a posse bike ride for the scene. Just like... Yeah, yeah. We already I wanna, get... I want to be in it. <laughs> okay. Let's, okay, pull up then. Pull up. <laughs> well, yeah, we got the... Shout out to Sneak and uh, Sneak the Poet and Pay too. We're going to shoot it. Um, and shout out to Chris who giving us some some direction as well so as a creative director, um, and and that's the thing like just bringing in folks who just who have gravitated to the music and just like giving them an opportunity just like okay I I'm not from Tulsa but even though this is my song like how are you interpreting this and how does your vision speak back to me and how do we come together and create like a dope vision for for everyone so yeah like this is this is easy work it's easy because like we love each other but it's also easy because like like it's just it just makes sense like yeah. like people just make things harder than what it needs to be and it's just like yo when we're just being led by the spirit it's like oh what you got over there i got some i got some i got some bacon you got some 
you got some eggs. Like, let's just let's eat together. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be dope. 93 Rockets is going to be dope. Riverside is going to be dope. And I'm, I'm looking forward to Tidy, the Invisible Man live show at a World Culture Music Festival. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 I'm raising the bar. The artists are raising the bar. And uh, it's going to be some dope magic happening very soon. I want to shout out real quick. If you're interested in hearing the music from Dr. View or any of the artists, like obviously you're realizing if you're listening to this podcast, there's a whole world that you are discovering that is Tulsa hip hop. And so we have actually created a playlist. Uh, so if you search Fire in Little Africa on Spotify, um, just uh, you'll find the Oklahoma Heat playlist. And this is really like our kind of like, these are the hottest tracks from Fila artists. You're going to hear the Dr. View joints on there. You're going to hear the new music from Steph Simon and Dial Tone and Ayilla and Verse. Um, but if you're like, how in the world do I introduce myself to this culture prior to May 28th when the album comes out? Um, definitely want to direct you over to Spotify uh, to listen to the Oklahoma Heat playlist. And then uh, that playlist will also be uh, on all other kind of streaming services here in the next couple of weeks. But right now, just go to Spotify and for sure. And speaking of streaming services, we also want to point out that yeah, Dr. View yeah. does a podcast called Fireside with Dr. View. Uh, new episodes drop every other Friday. The one with Dr. Bradley, I have to tell you, View, that one was so dope. I loved hearing her talk about her experience, um, hearing her talking about her new book, and then like where she was when Prince died. Like it was just so much, you know, anything Prince related, which by the way, Yvette, can I hear your Prince stories? These these are the things that I need to talk to and if had about. Okay, but anyway, I'm just putting it out there. I got one. I can. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll wait. I'll wait. I think wait. I know what it is. Oh, okay. Was it about the airport? It is about the airport. So yeah, okay. you already know. Um, but, but I w- I do want to say in regards to Fireside. So the next the next uh, guest on Fireside will be who used to be president CEO of Motown, now the chairwoman of Motown Records, um, Ethiopia. And I'm going to butcher her last name. I think it's Habitarium, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Ethiopia and, like, really diving into her story. And I think it's a really good episode. I think it's very, for just really quick, for those who don't know, Ethiopia was intern, yeah, interning um, at the age of 14 at LaFace Records when LaFace was popping in Atlanta. So, you know, this, the the connections of the baby face coming to to Atlanta and seeing all this dope talent and her witnessing that, I think is the same. I think she's seen over again, just in a different way uh, with Fire in Little Africa. So I'm really excited about her being on my, my next guest on Fireside and just exploring her story, but also connecting it to Motown, um, Black Forum. Um, for those who don't know, Quality Control, Little Baby, all of um, Gunna, all of those are part of Motown, and now Fire Little Africa being part of that legacy too. So, definitely looking forward to that episode. And, and please make sure you check that out. I, I just, I just want to say one more thing on that note. This is episode fifty-three of our podcast. I really want to just like make sure that we highlight Doc, Ali, my brother Spencer. Uh, who have been producing this podcast. We started this podcast in April of 2020, and we have not missed a week. This is like dedication from this group of people. And I I just want people to 
to know everything that happens beyond, behind the scenes and just much love and much appreciation. There's not a lot of hosts and producer teams that could stick with something like week after week like this. Like, you know, it would have been so easy to take Christmas off or take Thanksgiving off or just we had a bad week. Shit, Ali had COVID. Uh, Spencer had COVID. You know, so I just wanted to say much love. The, the podcast is an important part of the project. I'm so happy that um, that you guys are listening. I'm, I'm so happy uh, Dr. View has his own podcast and we just got the best podcast team uh, in the country. So definitely check out that fireside. Um, and, you know, if you're interested in getting to know, you know, we talk about a lot of artists, there's over 50 artists, you know, the way that we structured our, our main podcast here is like, each artist on the project gets their own episode. So you can go deep with each individual artist throughout, you know, these 53 episodes and, and you can slowly kind of piece together, you know, what this culture is about. So um, just wanted to, to shout that out real quick, but definitely excited for that fireside with Ethiopia next week. Okay, so no skips. Tell us what is Tulsa Creative Engine and do you have any updates? Essentially, it's a nonprofit. Um, it is a music incubator nonprofit. So uh, we are established to provide a variety of resources to artists and musicians. So financial wellness, um, mentorships, workshops. Essentially, the intention of Creative in Tulsa Creative Engine is to um, connect artists in Tulsa with mentorships, artist development, physical space to connect. That's kind of one of the, basically this was born out of like, as I've been working in the Tulsa hip hop scene for the last five years, realizing like that there's some basic things that the artists here need. You know, number one, you know, one of, one of my biggest beliefs is that um, artists are entrepreneurs. And especially now, like there's never been a better time to be an artist. There's never been a time to be an entrepreneur. And there's a lot of business resources that we provide to entrepreneurs, but we need to be providing those same types of business resources to artist entrepreneurs. And so the intention of Tulsa Creative Engine is to do that. Um, there's also a physical space element, you know, believe that um, we need a, a space that artists can go and connect and collaborate and meet new people and record a song and work on things just like a, a, a hub where all of the innovative people in the city can get together. Um, but really is focused on building up the music business ecosystem in Tulsa, really thinking like long term beyond fire in Little Africa, like how do we sustain, you know, a, a, a music business economy in the city of Tulsa. And so, you know, like I kind of alluded to earlier, Tulsa historically over the last 10 years, especially in hip hop, but I think in other genres as well, like we got buku talent. We have so many incredible artists and like Tulsa has a, an incredibly rich musical legacy dating back to the Gap Band, Charlie Wilson. I mean, Gap stands for Greenwood Archer Pine. So the Gap Band is the Greenwood Archer Pine Band. You know, we had Leon Russell in the 1970s. Leon Russell was a singer and a songwriter. He was a session musician. Um, he played on records with like the Rolling Stones and, you know, Eric Clapton and all, Bruce Springsteen, all these different kind of legends. And he was right here in Tulsa. He was really connecting Tulsa to Los Angeles, you know, all the way up through, you know, Fire in Little Africa. So, but, but what we've been lacking on is like, we don't have as many like publicists and booking agents and, you know, we need the rest of the ecosystem. And so 
Tulsa Creative Engine, we're building curriculum. Um, there's like an accelerator program where artists and potential artist managers can go and learn, you know, kind of demystifying the music business for Tulsa artists and really cultivating talent in Tulsa and then connecting uh, that talent to the industry. So I think just very much like an extension of, of what's already happening with Fire in Little Africa. So I uh, definitely want to shout out, I've partnered on this project with two absolute titans, um, Tyrants Billingsley, I'm honored to call him a co-founder. He's a, an incredible leader in, in Tulsa that his resume speaks for itself. The, the initiative that I want to highlight with Tyrants, um, he's the founder of Black Tech Street. Um, and his vision is for Tulsa to be the Black Silicon Valley. So rebuilding Black uh, Wall Street with a tech emphasis. And so Tyrants just brings an incredible business mind and just knowledge and wisdom and just honored to have him as a co-founder uh, on Tulsa Creative Engine. Uh, and then Bianca Campwed, just another Titan. She has an incredible story. She's from the New York area. She's the co-founder of a PR firm called Small Girls PR. They've got offices in LA and New York and, you know, represent all kinds of Fortune 500 companies. I mean, they're a big deal um, PR firm. And actually Bianca, um, was introduced to Tulsa because the Kaiser Foundation, who were the primary funders of this project, um, they hired Small Girls PR to kind of help Tulsa, you know, get national press. Bianca really fell in love with Tulsa. And the first time I met her, I kind of shared this vision and, and she just immediately got it. Same with Tyrants and like, we've just been tapped in really for the last year and a half. Uh, the three of us have been meeting every week and just building out this plan. So. We're in a, a fundraising stage right now. There's a lot of elements, it's a big project. We're really excited. Um, and I would expect to have some, some more concrete announcements around Tulsa Creative Engine uh, later this summer. Awesome. And what I think I would, I'm feeling from you too is that you allow creatives to do just that, be creative and take off the, maybe the stress. <laughs> Of that part of it, am, am I right here? Am I am I going in the right direction? Yes, but but it's even just like just get out the fucking way, like create the create the environment and then get out the way. And if yeah. people did that from a racial perspective, from a poverty perspective, from a social justice equity perspective, we wouldn't have any of these. I mean, probably would, but it would it wouldn't be as bad as as we see it. Like just get out the fucking way. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about Chris. It's not about this podcast. Like, it's really not even about, like, everything that's coming from this. It's about just the love and passion. We want to see people succeed. We want to see people out of poverty. We want to see people, like, really, like, be happy each and every day and, like, get out of the trauma that we're, that we're, that we're trying to get out of. So, yeah, yeah like. Removing we, those limitations that have seemed, you know, that they've been and, there for so long. And I think specifically, I think about, I think, the role of an artist in a community is like one of the most important roles, you know, and yeah. Tulsa has a lot of amazing artists and, but most of them are in a position where they're still having to work another job or do other things. And what I get excited about is how can we empower artists to be able to be fully present in the community? I mean, I think about like what, 
Steph and Tone and Ayla and Dom and all these artists have done while taking care of their families, while working 40, 50, 60 hours a week and writing rhymes in the middle of the night. And I, you know, it's a miracle in, in so many ways that, that everybody stayed with it and everybody stayed focused. But then I think about like, oh my God, like what if these artists only had to make music? Like, like what would happen then? And so I think like, I'm very interested in, in empowering the artists in Tulsa. I think we need more full-time artists in our city. We need people like, you know, Steph and, and all of the 50 plus artists involved with Fire in Little Africa. Like I get excited when I think about what would happen if these artists were empowered to just create and just do different things and, and, you know, how much more our community could thrive by, by empowering those artists. So. And the, and the fact that like we did all of this and they're not full-time artists mm-hmm. and, and the, the, the stories that they're telling in relation to the history that we're trying to convey, like, and they signed Motown signed the state, like this is going to, Black Wall Street or just people around the world are going to lose their fucking minds when they just really sit down and just pull back the layers of every piece of information regarding Fila. And so, yeah, like everything truly is us. And like Fila is a representation that when people just play their parts, like the the world, yeah. I kind of want to direct the question to Doc Free because we're literally sitting here with one of the artists who works hard. I mean, he's a very hard worker, y'all. Mm-hmm. Un trabajador, okay? Like he works very hard. And the, the way he, un poquito, nah, no, no, <laughs> I do not agree. Un poquito. Um, he, but how in the world does he have time to spit hot fire in between all the things that he does? So, Doc, like, can you speak to that a little bit and that feeling of all this coming together now? And um, kind of, uh, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Uh, I kind of like to exhume a bit of control in a lot of the different endeavors that I take on in my life. Um, but when it comes to passion projects, especially things like things that I live like hip hop, um, I never really tried to control it i never really tried to control um or try to set out to control how or what i was going to do when i started b-boying or uh, same thing when i switched to mc and same thing you know what i'm saying when i picked up a can same thing you know now that i'm on the decks kind of thing um it's that you know this episode's theme today god's timing that has placed me in those positions each time and now i'm in a really great spot to where I can express those but for me like the nine to five the grind like doing the other things uh the work with clean hands um I'm building a wine list about to start managing another uh restaurant um like those are things that I also believe in you know so it's like a uh the same amount of faith needs to be placed in those but I also need to make sure I have control in some of those areas but when it came to this, when it comes to this, because like out of everybody, I think I put out as far as like work you can go get the least out of anybody. But I'm out here, you know what I'm saying, with lessons and fresh, still making sure the sword is sharpened as as verse would say, you know what I'm saying, whenever I can on this microphone because you know Will you I give a brief this. summary of what 
Lessons and Fresh is just really quickly. Uh, Lessons and Fresh is uh, a collective of me, DJ Somar, DJ Alcompton, uh, DJ Adre. Basically, I host in in our rock with the best DJs in Tulsa. And they're on par with anybody from like here to Texas and back in. Shout out to my man DJ Wildebeest in Texas, uh, another member. But um, this is our ninth year uh, and we about to hit with another banger here pretty soon. We're gonna host one, something outdoors at Clean Hands uh, coming up real soon, so. I'm doing the Dr. View now. <laughs> yeah. And oh, I'm so excited. The main thing about that is because, you know, we we cater to, we like to cater to the four elements of hip hop. So like uh, we always have guest MC, guest DJ, guest graph artists or street artists uh, as it's preferred, I guess, these days. Um, and B-boys and B-girls. B-boys and B-girls come out. Uh, real late, we haven't had the space for them to get down. So I'm really excited about this next one so we can get back to the battles. We're going to get back to the battles yes. on the tables, on the mic, you know what I'm saying? On the floor. We're getting back to battles, people. Thank you, you so much. We are saying you're the best. We're going to have to find it out. It. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Doc, for all of that. Thank you for bringing Lessons in Fresh back. And that, for me, is like, these are the things that we've been seeing happen in Tulsa for the very long period of time. And now the rest of the world can see, yeah, there's real hip hop in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So now let's skip ahead a little quick uh, for a moment if we can. And of course, Fire Little Africa is a commemorative project. It is going to be about history. And we all know that it is, um, we're coming up again on the centennial of the Tulsa race massacre. So we want to ask both you, no skips, Mm -hmm. And Dr. View, how old were you when you first learned about the Tulsa Race Massacre? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. So I went to Carver Middle School, which again is in Greenwood. Uh, and I had a teacher named Miss Sahir. Um, shout out to Miss Sahir. If you, if you know, you know. Um, and I know like we heard about it. But I think that, and I was in sixth grade in her class. So I guess I would have been like 11 years old. Um, so that's definitely like... And, and, and I know that Miss Sahir was like one of the only teachers, even at Carver, that like talked about it. So I feel fortunate that I was even in her class. But I think even back then it was still being called like a race riot. And like, you know, that it, we there was still like more information like really hadn't come out yet. But I think it's hard for an 11 year old to like understand the Tulsa race massacre, I think. And so it really wasn't until later in life probably, you know, shortly, shortly before I moved back to Tulsa that I like really started getting into like, how did it actually start? What did it really, you know, what really happened? And then, you know, I've learned a ton from Steph, but I think that it's important to, that's something, this is something that is like always at the top of our minds, which is, let me say it this way. We've had a lot, this is a, a joyful day and, and this is a beautiful um, project and, we are excited for all of the good things happening uh, in our community. But the only reason that this is happening uh, and the only reason that we are in this joy right now is because people were murdered. Uh, people were bombed, you know, that a uh, hundred years ago. And that hasn't been atoned for. That hasn't been um, addressed. 
It was kept a secret in our community. Like I think the first Tulsa Race Massacre Commission was like in the mid nineties and they didn't really do shit. So like you've got a major mass murder um, incident of, of essentially genocide being committed against the people of Tulsa. And that is just always, you know, in the background, I think of everything that we do. Um, and it's a huge responsibility that everyone involved with the project has accepted. We feel that we've been chosen to be in the roles that we're in. Uh, I know I certainly do. Like, it, it's like, you know, it, it's, it's hard to describe, but I think that, you know, this movement is really about alchemy. You know, you've got one of the most beautiful communities uh, in the world, meaning like the artists that make up the Tulsa hip hop scene um, that against all odds have banded together, have come together and have created a project which not only commemorates um, and gets to the truth of what happened a uh, hundred years ago, but it also is like an introduction of those artists to the world. And it's, it is a, um, it is a project that uh, people are, you're going to fall in love with these artists. You're going to fall yeah. in love with Tulsa. And I think that it's, it's just, um, it's, it's a life affirming yeah. that something so beautiful uh, can emerge out of, you know, such darkness. I like what you were saying too about atonement and it's just the need for healing in this city. I need some healing to happen. And I read some, or I heard something today on our Instagram page. You can follow on fire in little Africa. It's um, first verse. And one of the artists on the album, this is the sounds of Fila and uh, yo, the thing that verse said that one of the lines he said was, I want to know where the start of the discussion is. And it just like, it's one of them things. I just had to sit back for a minute. Yeah, me too, Works. I do too. Where, where does this discussion start? Has it started? Are we in it? Well, you know? You know what's, what's really dope is like, I think that that so many of the artists, I'll speak to the artists that I, I'm close to. Like what, I've, what I see is artists that did the work to heal themselves so that they can do the work to heal their community. And this is like the role of the artist because one of the reasons why shit wasn't talked about for a hundred years is because the historical record was burned. And there was a lot of like fear and, and stuff in our culture. And, you know, there was like, we don't know how many people died. Like we, we don't know, like it was hidden. It was, you know, the, the record was destroyed. And I think like you need artists because the artists are the only ones that can actually interpret and tell a story. Like, you know, a journalist can't interpret. You know, I, I have a journalism degree. Like one of the first things they tell you is like, you got to report what is factual, what you know for sure. Well, when what is factual has been burned, there's nothing much to talk about, right? And so you need artists that can take that material and and work with it and play with it and examine it and... And that is the way that uh, I think that's what Fire in Little Africa is like. It had to be artists to start this conversation in our city. It had to be these artists. 
Yes. Because nobody, like, that's the role of the artist. And then, no skips, do you also feel like, I don't know about y'all, but when the pandemic hit, the very first thing I thought about was, yo, wait until y'all see what these artists have been creating. Like, I could feel it. It was, it's like everybody kind of went underground. The, the, the culture is ready for this. Like, yeah. this perfect alignment of, like, everything that's happening in the zeitgeist. Like, Tulsa is in the zeitgeist. Like, whoa. You know, like, like we are tapped into the, to the spirit of the times. And I think in a lot of ways, like we're a microcosm mm. of the rest of this country. If you can heal Tulsa, you can heal the country. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like in so many ways. And I think that's what this movement is and these artists are, are doing and moving us towards. You start in your own backyard. Yes, for that's sure. And you cannot or, or, take or two steps in this, especially in that area of, of town, but I'm going to say in this city, you cannot take two steps. You cannot help but feel the energy right now. Mm -hmm. You cannot help but feel it. I was walking past a uh, driller stadium and all I could hear was dig it up, dig it up. <laughs> That's I literally felt that in my spirit. I was like, it was first Friday. I had dinner and I was like, you know, I, I, I think I just want to walk around. I never really get to do first Friday that often. I'm usually working. Let me walk around for a little bit. And I went down Archer, um, Hopped over to Guthrie Green, found me a really cute little crochet skirt, aka maybe a dress. It just called my name. There's all these creatives out there, right? Selling their goods and on first Friday. And then I turned the corner and then I went over past Living Arts and then I end up by the stadium. And it just was such a like in my chest. And I just had to pause for a minute. I just stood there on the corner, like, we hear you. We hear you. And we're going to. I recently, I'm sorry, I'm not going to make this too personal, but I have one last thing to say. I recently posted something on my, my Twitter account, and I said, I've been placed on this earth to amplify the voices of those who want and need to be heard. It's like my purpose was given to me, and I'm like, I may not be saying, I'm, I'm a speaker, right? I'm literally like, here's the microphone, here's the speaker, and I just want to amplify. What do you need to say? Cool. This is what they said. So um, a lot of that, I think, is happening to a lot of us here in this city. Absolutely. And we are feeling it. And we hope, it is our hope and our intention, that you will feel every single thing these artists are conveying in this project. Cool. Thank you, once you have no doubt about that. And uh, so let's slide over to Dr. View, if you could tell us when you were, how old you were when you first learned about the Tulsa Race Massacre. Uh, this is actually a line from my dissertation album. Um, shout out, the song is called Polaroids and Jacoby Ryan, who's actually on the Fire and Little Africa project, probably one of two artists from Lawton who made it. Um, he has a line that says, um, I was looking at these Polaroids and books I got loans for. I didn't know about Black Wall Street till I was 24. And uh, that line resonated with me because that was probably around the same time that I too learned about it. And it's just kind of one of those things where like, man, education is great, but it also can be a fucking scam because here I am with a bachelor's and a master's at that time. And I'm in, you know, the world with, with two degrees. And I'm like, I still don't know my own history. And you know, I'm not from Tulsa. Like that is still my, my history. And so I just, uh, yeah, I just, it's unfortunate about identity and things of that nature, how, you know, things can be er eradicated out of history. And uh, I'm just really grateful. Really
really grateful for the uh, for this project and just for the awareness from from other people. So, absolutely. All right. Well, final question. Everyone here knows what it is. Doc, would you like to? Yeah, gentlemen, you already know what we're about to ask. I hope you prepared yourselves well. But what does everything is to us mean to you? Before I say what it means to me, which I'm I'm excited to share, I will say like everything is us embodies the ethos of Tulsa hip hop. If there had to be like a hashtag for this project or just a, a mode at like just you, if you need to understand this project, it's all about everything is us. And it's a, a phrase that Steph and Bezel and a few artists from world culture um, came up with. Um, and, and it really embodies the Black Wall Street mindset. And, and so when I hear everything is us, I think about uh, everything. Saying everything is us means everything. Uh, nothing is about me. Um, it's about the collective, it's about the community, it's about we. And I think that we live in a culture that, especially like within like the framework of like capitalism, where we're told to be competitive with one another. We're told that it's a dog eat dog world and you better get yours or you're gonna get gotten, da 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 da. Everything is us is an alternative way. It says that actually collaboration is more of a capitalist value than competition. That if you really wanna take care of, of yourself, it starts with your community. And it's like very tied into even just like this idea of of like self-healing because I think to like truly embody that like egoless everything is us mentality like you got to do the deep work on yourself to like figure out what your contribution to the community can be and I think that that's what we have in Tulsa and this community is a group of people who have done that work and who are actively engaged with that work and who realize that um, if we're going to come up, we are going to come up together. And if I want to succeed, then I need to root for all these other people to succeed. There's no such thing as a competitor in Tulsa, no, like for real. Like everybody is a potential partner. Everybody is a potential collaborator. We are all building our city together and that's what I think of when I think of everything as us. I yeah. love that you said nothing is about me. It's about we. All right, Doc. Doctor so View. So I'm gonna go a different different route. Um, I think I think so. Doc Doc Free and Ali's gonna catch this analogy. I think uh, Chris Davis was kind of like the Power Hour DJ, where he just he said exactly what needed to be said about um, what everything is us means, like. That's power hour is like, like typically like 12 to one, you know, clubs usually close at two here, but like, it's like you hit them with everything at, at every moment. And uh, I think for me, you know, there's a lot of times when I have a opening DJ and they try to you know, play those hot records. as if like, I can't give an alternative perspective. And so, and I say that because Chris said everything I wanted to say, 
But as he was talking, um, I was reminded of the history of the Tulsa sound and how it's been, in a sense, transported in so many different areas. And so when I think of everything, everything is us, I also think about everything started at the Mecca, which is Greenwood. Um, from a historical perspective, if it wasn't, I'm making the argument that if it wasn't for the massacre, there would be more than likely not as many hip hop scenes that we see today. Because um, when I think about the Gap Band and, and them moving west and the the West Coast sound, it it's 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 Greenwood through and through. Um, but I, when I also think about just all the different other hip hop scenes, like we have it, we, we have it here. And so everything with us is that it starts with here. It starts in the middle of the country, which is Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the heartland. Um, and so everyone, whether they believe it or not, is connected to Greenwood in some shape, form or fashion, whether it's music, whether it's history, whether it's legacy, whether it's um, politics, um, everything centers around Greenwood and everything that led up to the massacre. But even after that, when I think about all the different shows and documentaries and all these different commercials that are utilizing Greenwood, it's not by coincidence, obviously because of the massacre, but like even then, like everyone is making reference to like black dopeness because that is the time that we're in. So everything is us is that it's everything that Chris said, but it's also like Tulsa is the Mecca, Greenwood is the Mecca, and you all are connected to that. And so yeah. I think when people listen to the album, they, they watch the documentary, they look at the curriculum, they listen to these podcasts and all the content that we're developing and connecting everything. Um, I know we're talking about Motown and and Greenwood, but like the connectivity of people with those actual songs. When Ali, you're talking about, you know, listening to the Supremes, it takes you to a certain place. Like it takes you to a place, to a memory, to a privileged memory that you didn't have. And so, yeah, like this album is going to have so many privileged memories that are going to speak to so many. It could be just a beat. It could be, you know, a certain chord that was played. It could be a certain tone that the artist was using. Like there's so many things that people are gonna to gravitate to that we as even as executive producers don't even know yet. So everything is us is yeah, you know, us building the scene and supporting each other, but everything is us is also saying like you all are Black Wall Street as well, and you all need to understand your history, which is our history, and then we also want to learn your history so we can be in conversation with one another. That's what everything is us means to me. Both dope answers, wouldn't you say, Doc? I would definitely agree. It's that universal serendipity. I like that. Yeah. I had a conversation with someone the other day that said Tulsa is the new Mecca. And I said, actually, uh, Tulsa is the original. Absolutely. And Atlanta became a Mecca at one point. So, and he said, oh, oh. And I said, I know, I I recently learned this myself as well in another job that I have. So (laughs) follow me here. But uh, yeah, he's actually from Atlanta and lives, you know, here in the surrounding area now. And it was an interesting conversation. And it was, it actually felt good to say that. Like, I've been learning too throughout this entire process. And my hope is that more people who look like me, I'm a white woman, 
um, more people who look like me can learn more about what happened here in this city, the most tragic event on U.S. soil. And uh, we learn from this experience say, and we build and move forward. Hold, hold on, Chris. Before you say that, I got I to gotta say something. Okay. And, this, and this is for Chris. Um, I'm going to be honest. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we signed the deal. We worked our ass off. You know, Chris gets a lot of slack being a white, white person. Um, particularly with a hip hop project, particularly with the context of this history. Um, and Chris, like no skips, me now understanding his nickname, like it makes perfect sense because he makes no skips, but he also like doesn't, he's not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid to have those conversations and you have to respect that. Like regardless of how you think Chris is or whatever, like Chris is an amazing person who's not afraid to speak his mind and to learn and to say that he's sorry or like, yo, my bad, like I'm, I'm, I'm working on this. Like he, he's always there. And so like when Allie was talking about, you know, more people that look like her, like I was, I had to speak on the fact that Chris has been there through and through like busting his ass putting this project together in the best way possible and leading and guiding and not allowing his ego to get in the way. So, you know, as much as people, you know, try to have this, you know, you know, dichotomy, you know, where like, you know, can't have white people in the struggle. Like we need fucking white people in Yo, this, in this movement. Like October like, 2013, my man algebra put on his 1921, uh, 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 and like his memorial, we did a whole show, bro. He got so much slack from from both sides, bro. Who is this white boy putting on a, a show commemorating 1921, so and so? It's like this is a dude teaching your kids. That's who he is. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I see Chris taking that same sentiment and has pushed it well, well beyond I thought yeah. it could go. Man, I appreciate yeah, you, bro, for being a homie. You can't. Absolutely. You can't ask people to do better. And then when they, they actually do better, like you can't, you know, negate them from like doing what they're, they're being called to do. So yeah, I, just mad respect to, to CD, AKA no skips, man. Like much love, bro. I, I appreciate that, man. And I, uh, as, as you well know, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this. Um, it, it's, it's, there's no words for how I feel. Um, and, you know, I certainly understand the responsibility um, that comes with it. All I can really say is like, I like from the moment I met Steph and everybody else, like something came over me and like, I wake up every morning and do the things that like, it, it kind of just like flows out of me. Like, I don't even like <laughs> know how I got here half the time other than just to say like, I just did what it felt right to do every day. Um, what what I was gonna say earlier uh, when Ali spoke is like, I mean, I'm gonna shout out Dial Tone. This man had a family business on his mom's side and on his dad's side. His family owned land in Tulsa. His family had two businesses and those businesses were bombed with support from our government, <laughs> from our city leaders. And if you don't understand how like that still impacts our city today, like, I don't know what else to tell you, you know? And so 
this is not, I mean, as much as it's a commemoration to happen, of something that happened a hundred years ago, like this is here and this is now. And just imagine yourself, like if your family owned land and had these businesses, like that's how generational wealth happens. Like that was stolen from the black people of Tulsa. Uh, and the, the wound is something that exists in all of us, unless we are actively moving towards healing. No more salt in that wound. Right. It's time for it to scab over. I'm gonna put a little Neospor on, a couple of Band-Aids, we're gonna let air out. It's time for it to heal, heal. And we need help from everyone in order for that to happen. Yeah, they get this album, B, they gonna get some help. Okay. <laughs> Dr. View, Chris yeah. Davis, right. no skips. Yeah. Thank you both Thank for you being here with us tonight. Sure. Um, what a great conversation. I believe you have answered every question I have. Doc Free, you got anything else? It's good over here, man. Like, uh, questions I didn't even know I had were answered. You know what I mean? Huh. Yeah. I appreciate y'all speaking so eloquently and, and passionately about the project, man. Appreciate it. Because I know that's going, that energy is going to transfer to our listeners. Um, and I appreciate y'all. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big week. Yes. Absolutely. I appreciate y'all. Hey, right. Doc, Doc Free, I like to say it, it's a big week, but they're all big weeks now. So They're all big weeks. <laughs> no, 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 no small days. <laughs> there goes View again yeah. with the celebratories. Yes. Oh, uh, it's, a, it's a big week and more to come. I like that. I love you too. All right. So on behalf of the Fire and Little Africa podcast, I'm Ali Shaw. And you know I'm Doc Freelvy. We want to remind you to be the spark. Protect your flame. And pass the torch. All right, y'all. I hope y'all enjoyed that talk with Dr. View and our man. No skips. Uh, so, you know, you got the big news. So I'll be with us when the album comes out. So to end us with this episode, we've got the track Dial Tone featuring Billy Bruner, King Cut, Young DV. This is Long Time.
blazing, huh? How these toss of babies up, climbing out the grave, on the lead these streets blaze up. I'm thinking about some other shit, like trying to make another flip. Stand stuck to the script, cause there's a way if there's a will. But we ain't thinking on my bro, just stuckin' grins to make a meal. Fuck a bitch and fuck a deal, we got it off the curve for real. They told me legends die young and fake niggas never live. Could've died a couple times by God's grace, we made it hurt. Welded to the mission, niggas. Bitches want the richest niggas. Niggas want some fucking clout to hollow tills rip through your dinner. If it ain't sucker free, then it ain't me. And that's from all my killers. Me and my queen freaking for the weekend on expensive linen. 1500 count smoke out the ounce, and then we bounce. And for you haters, ain't no parking front this world. Cause the house up. We made it. Records, play chess, no checkers Didn't say you gotta like us, but you will respect us Can't respect you talking slick on the net But really we let you breathe Loosened up the grip on your neck If you was working, you wouldn't be sounding like you was hurting It's funny, this the same shit that got your girlfriend flirting We put the focus on ownership and gave the game to the youth Bonafide flavor shit, keep a gym in this group Playmaker like Chris Davis, been on it ever since Mavis Beacon, now my beacon score peaking like it's tweaking Glide on beats like Joe Fingers across keys Picture us on jet skis across 70 seas Paintings in my workout room worth more than gold bars Spit these gold bars cause I only know how to go hard Plan, plot, strategize, Machiavelli rhapsodize Everything is us, lies. we can't paralyze And we ain't going nowhere.